0: When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A N G I.com.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I hope everyone had a good Valentine's Day. I saw your pictures online, you and all your red. With your flowers and your gifts and your candies and your partners. Y'all look real cute. Real cute. I saw Steve and Marjorie. I think they're in Aspen. She hasn't been tagging her photos. But you know, like I low-key stalk Marjorie Harvey. And she had some pictures where she went on vacation with her grandchildren earlier this year. And it looked like she was in the same place. But she was there saying Steve. And they spend Valentine's Day apart sometimes. I don't know what the commitment is that keeps them separate, but neither here nor there. She was doing her fabulous photo shoots, as she likes to do, and I'd miss them. She's been quiet during the pandemic, which is fine. But she was doing her photo shoots, and somebody had the camera on when she was at a restaurant when her husband walked in to surprise her. Marjorie was in the corner behind the table. The lady sitting next to her knew what it was. She knew how, she know Marjorie don't play about her man. Because Steve walked in, that lady got to scooting. Marjorie damn near jumped over the table to get to Steve. And when she got to Steve, she jumped on him. She missed that man. I was like, oh. If it's not this, if you can't evoke this feeling, ma'am is like 55 years old jumping on a 65 year old man. I loved it. She jumped all up on him. He was patting her ass. And I was like, sir, this is not y'all's room. We got cameras rolling. You're with other people, y'all are not alone. They was real cute. They act like they're like 20-somethings together. I thought it was adorable. And Marjorie was like, oh my gosh, how did you find me? I couldn't figure out if he said, I'm your husband or like your fucking husband. You know, Steve liked the curse. He cleaned it up for his daytime TV opportunities. But but Steve is a foul-mouthed man. He was like, I'm your husband. Ain't nowhere you go that I don't know about. And I was like, talk that talk, Steve Harvey. Talk that talk. I loved it. Like, if it ain't this, why are we doing it? What's the purpose? Why are we here, people? Why are we here? That's cute. It gave me some hope. I don't know if I want another husband. But I may want to be around somebody that makes me want to jump on them. I dated a man like that in my early 20s. And I'm going to just move along with this story. Anyways, <laughs> lots of good love. Lots of good love. I saw Niecy Nash and Jessica. They are adorable. I love watching them. Niecy didn't know where she was going and what they were doing, so she had on a she had on a little bit of everything, nothing covering the titties though. She lead those out, which I ain't mad at. She likes to advertise, and Madame Jessica liked to buy, so you know it all worked out. She had on a spandex onesie, and then she had a sweater, and she put on a fluffy wig because she was like, I don't know what the weather gonna be, and she had on some tennis shoes, sneakers, depending on where you're from. She was real cute. She was filming Jessica. You know Jessica just be easy. She be cool all the time. She don't get too excited. But she, she did her thing yesterday. She was giving energy. And I was like, oh, is that what the ladies bring to the table? Niecy look happy as shit. Sometimes people be like, how are you gonna be married to two men and then be with a woman? I'm like, shit, have you seen Jessica? You know, I'm like a 1.5 on the Kinsley scale. Rihanna and Amber Rose be messing me up. But Jessica, energy. I get it. else is going on? Mm. Megan and Harry are having another baby. I'm talking like I know them. Prince Harry and Duchess Megan, who I call cousin Megan, but baby Archie is going to be a big brother to somebody who seems to be coming soon. They posted this really beautiful black and white photo to announce the new baby and they were like laying in a forest. Okay, not a forest, like the woods. There's a lot of trees. But Megan was laying on Harry's lap and he was holding her face and she had on this long white dress and a very prominent bump. I was like, that's not like a three month bump. It's like a six month bump. So we'll be getting a new cousin sooner than later. I hope this baby has red hair too. I like Archie's little red hair. It's a cute baby. I know why they don't show him all the time. They want their privacy, which I totally respect. But I get very excited when I see pictures of baby Archie. I really love that baby. Hmm. Fun fact, Princess Diana announced that she was pregnant with Harry on Valentine's Day in 1984, and she gave birth to him in September. This new baby is coming way before September. What are we now, February, March, April, May, June? I think we'll probably see this baby by June at the latest, based on that tummy. D'Angelo, he blessed us for Valentine's Day. He did a... Um, I don't know if it was a club quarantine. I didn't see it. I saw someone posting about it. And by the time I went to D-Nice's page, he was already done. But he went live with D'Angelo. I did see a couple clips from their conversation. But D'Angelo announced yesterday that he was going to do a versus live at the Apollo. And it's going to be a different kind of versus. It's not just him and one other person. In my head, when I thought about this, I hoped it would be Maxwell. Maxwell. But it's going to be D'Angelo and Friends. So who knows who he will be up against. I do hope that it's like all my favorite artists from that neo-soul era. Which raised me and birthed me when I was like, you know, teenager, early 20-something. Finding my energy and my flow. Those artists had a huge, huge impact. Greatly, greatly influenced. So that Versus is going to be on February 27th. Which I will cancel everything. It's a Saturday. I will be all in for that. It's also the day before Don't Waste Your Pretty releases. So that should be a very good weekend. Hopefully you all will tune in. Also in Don't Waste Your Pretty news, y'all are harassing me about a second drop of Don't Waste Your Pretty merchandise. And you want it before the film comes out. Y'all. Last week I had three 18-hour days, a 12-hour day. I took Friday off because my finger was starting to tingle and I ain't getting shingles again for nobody. So I took Friday and Saturday morning off and I was back at it for 14 hours on Saturday, 12 hours on Sunday, and today is minimum 16 hours. Y'all, I got a lot happening right now. Y'all gonna have to give up something, either the podcast or social media. I can't give up the film, I can't give up the book proposal. I can't give up the writing stuff, Some I'm gonna have to give. But you can thank my production manager, Katrina Love, who came through. She has found y'all a bunch of don't waste your pretty sweatshirts. She has found them in pink, she has found them in red, she has found them in white, and she has found them in blue. So blue and white and blue and gold are being added to the lineup. Your sweatshirts will be available before the premiere of Don't Waste Your Pretty. When I get the call that they are on their way to the warehouse, I will release them. We have Packers and a team now. I will join them so we can get y'all shirts out. I can't guarantee you'll get them by the film. We ship USPS. Sometimes they on point. Sometimes they're not. But we will do our best. But we will do our best to get these hoodies to y'all before the film drops. So y'all can wear your Don't Waste Your Pretty hoodies while watching Don't Waste Your Pretty. Okay? Thank you (laughs) for your patience. And I mean that sincerely. I'm overwhelmed and overworked. But I know y'all wanted y'all hoodies. So I'm happy that we'll be able to deliver them to you. In the meantime, there are mugs available on the site. There are books. If you did not read the first edition of Don't Waste Your Pretty and you want to read it before the film comes out, or possibly before I jack the price up after the film comes out. <laughs> I'm joking, sort of. I'm doing signed copies of the second edition of the book for the film release. So those are currently available on the website. Stay tuned for the merch drop. I have on my list to talk about the impeachment. Honest to God, I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. I liked the idea of it. I wanted them to find him Guilty. Is that the proper term for what just happened? I wanted Trump not to be able to run for office again. I wanted him to lose all his presidential bonuses. I wanted him not to get those things because he was such a horrible and terrible president. Once I heard that the Democrats needed 17 Republicans to vote with them to find Trump guilty, I was like, oh, okay, that's just not going to happen. I think the vast majority of Republicans are complete and utter trash, but they are loyal to Trump and each other to a fault. The last time I really watched the news, which I guess was Friday night, the headline story, at least in the later part of the day, was a Republican had come forward about a conversation that Trump had with McCarthy. I don't have notes in front of me, forgive me. On the day of the riots, as as a matter of fact, during the riots, McCarthy called Trump and said, this crazy shit is happening at the Capitol. They just had to take Mike Pence out, like, help us, say something, do something. And Trump was like, that's not my people. That's Antifa. McCarthy was like, nah, this is your people that you called here that are inside the Capitol trying to fucking kill us. He was like, oh, well, they care more about the outcome of the election than you do. And McCarthy was like, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Give you context. When McCarthy called, people were trying to break in his office via the window to get to him. And Trump was like, you know, not giving a fuck. So this story came out that Trump knew what was going on. He knew that they were trying to attack or kill members of Congress. And he just he didn't give a fuck. He didn't he didn't care at all. And a Republican is the one who told this story. Other Republicans confirmed the story. And then all but seven Republicans in the Senate found him not guilty. The man knew that people were attacking y'all. The man knew that they were trying to hang his vice president. He didn't give a fuck. All he cared about was the outcome of the election and stopping the certification of the electoral votes. That's all he cared about. And y'all still voted not guilty. Do you know how much less somebody could have done for me to find them guilty? Like, even if, they, if, even if you sent people to my workplace and they never came inside, they just stood outside and made a goddamn scene, I'd vote you guilty for that. Nobody tried to kill me. It was just annoying to me. I'd find you guilty for that. I was like, y'all deserve whatever y'all get. And as many people have pointed out, if the president can incite a riot and walk away unpunished for it, it's asking for that shit to be tried one more again. Republicans are going to make sure that America goes to shit, which is exactly what it deserves. And I feel really bad saying that because, as many criticisms as I have of this country, I do live in it. I would not like to see our government crumble and fall because that shit affects me. But that's exactly what's going to happen. And it's all going to be the Republicans' fault. That's what they wanted. That's what they're about to get. I thought maybe with a new administration, Trump no longer being in office, Trump no longer having access to his Twitter feed because it's been wonderfully quiet since they got him off social media, Twitter and Facebook and a whole bunch of sites, Pinterest, TikTok. Everybody was like, don't come here. But I thought it would get better. I thought common sense would eventually emerge again. We could argue over petty shit, but nope, we still on the same bullshit. Mm, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I can't wait to talk about this because her shit is messy. Marjorie Taylor Greene is the QAnon lady. We talked about her a couple weeks ago. She's batshit crazy. For a refresher, she's the one that was talking about assassinate Nancy Pelosi for treason. And space lasers were the cause of the wildfires on the West Coast. 9-11 was a hoax. A plane never flew into the Pentagon. She harassed a survivor, a teenager. He was a survivor of the Parkland school shooting down in Florida. She harassed him. And while harassing him, told him that she had a gun and was armed. I was like, who does that? And her excuse was, well, he was 18 at the time. He was an adult. Are you serious? And did it on camera. Her own camera. It's not like she got caught doing it. She filmed herself doing it. That chick who complains about everyone's moral lacking, who tried to get two Muslim women in Congress. She did a video about this. She wanted to find them and ask them to retake their swearing in on a Bible instead of the Quran. She said she didn't understand what they were doing in politics in America. They should go back to the Middle East. One of the women is from Detroit. The other one is from Africa. Neither one of those locations are the Middle East. Surprise, surprise. All Muslims don't live in the Middle East. They got Muslims everywhere. Dumbass. But our good friends at the Daily Mail, who, by the way, I just want the Daily Mail to know that I love them and appreciate them. And I have no beef with anyone who works there. I support them. I don't want y'all digging into my life. The shit can be messy. It's kind of clean right now, but hopefully it won't stay that way long because that's not the fun shit. It's just because it's a pandemic. The Daily Mail, as you may recall, these are the folks that went digging into Wendy Williams. I don't know what Wendy did to them, but they went digging into Wendy Williams' story. And they followed her husband around for a year. And that's how all the drama came out about his big-ass house with the other woman with his name on the mailbox nine miles down the street from where he was living with his family. Daily Mail don't like Wendy. They also don't like Marjorie Taylor Greene because they went and did some digging on her too. There was They did a story that ran over the weekend. Let's read the headline together. Embattled QAnon Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene openly cheated on husband of 25 years with a polyamorous tantric sex guru and then moved on to another affair with the manager at her gym. The embattled Congresswoman forty six has been married to husband Perry Green since 1995. They have three children. The Daily Mail approached the misters. It said both men refused to comment on their past relationships. One man, his name is Justin Tway. He says, I have no interest in talking about anything to do with that woman. Everything with her comes to no good. Was that a denial? That didn't sound like a denial. Insiders insiders say that Marjorie Green was so brazen about her affairs they believed her marriage was on the rocks, but it appears the couple has put their infidelity behind them now Craig Craig ivy he's the tantric sex practitioner. he said quote, "I will not respond to anything about this. That's not a denial. that's saying I'm not talking, but that's not saying that shit ain't happened. The Daily Mail they caught up with her. She said, this is another attempt to smear my name because I'm the biggest threat to the Democrat socialist agenda. That's also not a denial. If you came to me and you said, Demetria Lucas, I heard that you have been involved with a polyamorous tantric sex guru at your gym. And then when you was done with him, you fucked the manager. I could say unequivocally, I have had no entanglement with a polyamorous tantric sex guru at my gym. These allegations are false, I, unequivocally, emphatically. I'm trying to think of another word so I could sound as fierce in my denial as T.I., but I realize I may not want to sound like him because his denial seemed like too denialish. Neither here nor there. We're not talking about T.I. today. We're talking about Marjorie Taylor Green, who likes to sit on her moral high horse and judge others, antagonize others. Marjorie Taylor Greene, she wanna talk about something else. I wanna talk about the two dicks. I wanna know more about the polyamorous tantric sex man. Now polyamorous, that means you're involved with multiple people, multiple relationships at once. Now tantric sex, now I've seen that in some of the um, the movies that sometimes I watch late in the evening. I have to turn the sound down to make sure my neighbors don't hear anything. That looks, I don't think that would work for me. Like I see people getting all worked up and I know it's supposed to like, you know, maximize the end result. I ain't got that kind of patience. When I'm ready to go, let's go. But you know, different strokes, literally for different folks. Now, usually I don't have much interest in the consensual sex of grown folks. She and her husband appear to have worked it out. So, you know, that's their inside business. But ma'am got a lot of hot nerve running around trying to present herself on a moral high horse when she up here with these shenanigans. The Daily Mail has pictures of the gentlemen. They're not bad looking. I'm not offended by looking at them. One of them, the pictures he's working out, he has on a long sleeve shirt and some tiny little shorts. They're like Speedos with a little more length on the sides, but that's his workout outfit. He's at, he's at the gym. He's not a bad looking white man, bearded. Her husband is bearded too. Oh, we have a picture of the man in his, oh, he, he, he manscapes his chest hair. He manscaped it into a triangle. That's, hmm. I don't like it. Hmm. I don't like it. I don't, mm -mm. I don't feel good about it. Oh, one of them. I don't know which man that is. They kind of look alike, but that might just be white people. Sometimes they just look alike to me. I can't tell the difference. He has on a he he has on what I thought was a MAGA hat, but his his little hat said made you look. Black lives matter. He's all right with me. He has on a shirt with uh, Tyson, Neil deGrasse Tyson. It says make America smart again. And then he has another picture. He is ass naked at a waterfall. He is finely formed. I'm not mad at that. Need a little son. But he's in the sun. He's doing his part. Hmm. I'm tired of talking about her.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home. And then there's a version of it where you have someone help you. You watch them do it the right way. And you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully
1: In fucked up news, we got two stories back to back. Remember during the BLM protest, there was video out of Buffalo, New York, where an old white man was approaching the police as they were coming toward him. He had no weapons. He had no signs. He wasn't violent. He wasn't belligerent. He was alone. One of the officers pushed the old man down. And when I say old, I mean like he was 75. He looked every bit of 85 because, you know people without melanin age different. And I'm I'm not being shady, I'm just acknowledging people without melanin don't age well, it is what it is. We all saw this video. The police push this man down, he hits his head, he's knocked the fuck out, and he starts bleeding from his ear. One of the officers stops to check on the old man because he has some decency, humanity, and then he's stopped by other officers and encouraged to keep going. A grand jury in Buffalo where the incident took place, they decided not to press charges. In that incident, there were two officers who were facing felony assault. No charges. No charges. They did nothing wrong. I imagine there is, if there is not already, will be a civil suit. Because you knocked an old man down on concrete, knocked him out, and he started bleeding from his ear. And then everyone kept walking. I remember at the time that Cuomo, who's the governor of New York, he denounced the incident, as did most people with any kind of soul I'm not the biggest fan of old white men, but even still, I know you don't knock an old man down and then afterward give him no care when you see him bleeding from his head. That's a lot to everyone but the Buffalo Grand Jury. That blew my mind. I was like, really, y'all cracking heads on old white men now? And don't give a fuck? Ain't a lot of hope for the rest of us. Speaking of Cuomo, you know how I feel about Cuomo. At the height of the pandemic, he was doing those news conferences every day, reassuring the nation that, you know, things might maybe one day could be okay. because our president wasn't doing it. Somebody had to. So Cuomo stepped up. He won an Emmy for his coronavirus news conferences. He wrote a book. There was much talk from many, self-included, about how he should have run for president and he should hold out and keep his nose clean for 2024. Because he showed good leadership and good sense during the pandemic. Women like myself all over the country deeming themselves Cuomo sexuals. There was a story, I want to say, in the Daily Mail about how people overseas were watching Cuomo for the news conferences. Beloved. I was like, sir, it's an alley oop. People love your dad. People love you. They love your banter with your brother on CNN. They love your stories about the family, mom, Matilda, and her sauce. They love the stories about the kids. Kara, she brought home the boyfriend, who was okay, but she weren't mad when the boyfriend left. We got very involved in this drama. We got very involved in the Cuomo show, Invested. We were rooting for you. All you had to do was not do no dumb shit, sir. It was yours for the taking. He did some dumb shit. Governor Cuomo is involved in a major scandal in New York right now. They are calling for his removal from office after new allegations emerged that he and his senior staff covered up the extent of virus deaths, of coronavirus deaths in the state's nursing home. The New York Post broke this story. They have a leaked recording of one of the governor's top aides, Melissa DeRosa, admitting in a private conversation that the administration withheld the true data about the deaths in nursing homes Because they feared the DOJ, Department of Justice, would use the figures to pursue complaints of state misconduct. Let me take you back for a minute because I didn't understand exactly what this story was about. I, I read that people were calling for him to step down. They wanted a repeal of his emergency executive powers to deal with the pandemic. They were coming. They are. They are coming for his head. And I didn't understand why. I had to read several news sources to get to the gist of it all. This all goes back to March 25th, city by city, state by state, we were shutting down because of COVID. Older people, as we know, are more susceptible to COVID and more likely to die from COVID than, say, people who are 65 and under. People in nursing homes, they're older, they have some health issues. It's a batch of people who are all more susceptible to the disease than other populations who are all living together. So once COVID enters a nursing home, it tends to tear through the nursing home. Cuomo, along with his health commissioner, Howard Zucker, they put in place a mandate that if a resident from a nursing home had gone to a hospital to be treated, even if they tested positive for COVID, they had to be allowed back into the nursing home. So at the time... People were like, that makes no sense. If anyone has COVID, they should not be allowed back in the nursing home. I think the issue was they didn't know where else to put this person who needed more care than back in a nursing home. They didn't want to keep them at the hospital because they need the bed. They didn't want to send them home. Obviously, if the family could take care of them, they wouldn't be in the nursing home. So he says they have to go back to the nursing home. It sounds If it sounds like a dumbass idea, it was. And people said so at the time. And on top of this, to make it even worse, when the patients returned to the nursing home, the nursing home was barred from testing the returning patients to see if they still had COVID or were contagious. I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. The argument to keep this mandate in place was, well, we're doing it and the nursing home numbers aren't going through the roof so it's OK to keep doing it. Y'all are complaining about the mandate saying it doesn't make sense, but it's not having any negative effects. So basically everyone, STFU. As it would turn out, it was a horrible fucking idea. From what I'm reading, when New York State reported the numbers of deaths in nursing homes to the DOJ and let me look this up because I want to make sure my numbers are right. And I want to give you a source for it. When Cuomo gave the numbers of deaths in nursing homes to the DOJ, they undercounted the deaths by half in order to avoid an investigation into their policy. So they made it sound like their policy with the nursing homes was okay. And it wasn't. So a whole bunch of people died unnecessarily. I think they reported something like 8,000 died. It was 15,000. 15,000. Many because of this policy that Cuomo enacted. And then when they realized that it was a fuck up, they didn't change it. And then they lied about the numbers to the Department of Justice. Now, you know how I feel about Andrew Cuomo. I've been singing his praises this whole pandemic. I like the nipple rings. I like the delivery. I like a smart man. I love smart men. I like the power. I like the look. I'm not even mad at him. People were like, do you mean you like Chris Cuomo or Andrew? Do you mean An- Andrew? Chris is fine too. But I like Andrew too. He got some season to him. I like that. Not mad at it. Don't really prefer older men, but you know. But he works for me. I can't defend this shit. This is a major fuck up. Blood on your hands. Not as much blood as Trump, but blood nonetheless. Like, thousands of people dead because of your stupid policy. Even if you did it in goodwill, when you realized it wasn't working, you didn't change it. And instead of fixing it, you just lied about the numbers to make it look better. And I searched to see if he had any comment. At the time of this podcast, I have not found a defense from him, an explanation, denial. I found nothing. So that story's just sitting out there and he's just looking like, A murderer. What else can you call it? Because I've really liked Andrew Cuomo, I'd like to hope that there is more to this story. Something that that makes this defensible somehow. But as of right now, there is none. Justin Timberlake. After many, many, many years, like 20 maybe? When When was he in the Super Bowl with Janet Jackson? 2004, not quite 20, pushing 20, 17. I don't need to recap for you what happened when Justin and Janet were at the Super Bowl together. At the end of their song, he said, I'm going to have you naked by the end of this song. He reached over and he pulled off a piece of clothing that left Janet Jackson's bare breast exposed for literally half a second was a huge controversy. Janet Jackson was banned from the Grammys. She was supposed to be performing a tribute to Luther Vandross, which what was Janet going to sing in tribute to Luther? That's neither here nor there. That's not the point. She was banned from radio airwaves. I want to say she was banned from Viacom channels. Her next two albums didn't do so well because the radio wouldn't play her music. She was vilified. I think there actually was an opportunity for her to perform at the Grammys that year if she apologized and she did not. I think her question was, for what? I didn't do it. She was standing there. Justin was the one that leaned over and pulled off the piece of outfit that left the breast exposed. But she was blamed for it being her breast, even though she took no action in that moment. I remember there was some question at the time whether he would or would not appear at the Grammys and it was contingent upon an apology for him. And so there was this question, will he stand with Janet, who was taking the majority of the heat for Breastgate, or would he buckle and apologize? He did buckle and apologize. He did attend the Grammys and he did perform at the Grammys that year. So Timberlake's career went on quite fine and unbothered. He's had many successful albums, many hits since that time. It was a bad night for him as opposed to perhaps a bad decade for Janet Jackson. But this is coming up again because of a documentary that's out right now about Britney Spears. And I still have not seen it. But Britney Spears and Timberlake dated for a while and that is covered in the documentary. And apparently Timberlake looks like a complete jackass. Britney Spears at the time they were dating was presented as this very sexy but also virginal Christian pop star, role model type. And after she broke up with Justin Timberlake, he told people that they had had sex. It ruined her wholesome image in some ways. And he was still with sync, I think, at the time. But he went on to launch a solo career. And one of his early videos, was it Cry Me a River? He cast a woman in the video that looked like Britney Spears. And he cast that woman as a cheater while he was the faithful, loving, doting, romantic boyfriend. The way he responded to Britney after their breakup was the beginning of her downfall. It's when the media turned on her and she went from being America's sweetheart to losing her mind, really, which was all chronicled by the paparazzi and the magazines and late night TV hosts and entertainment shows. Like I remember, I remember that time really well. And I remember when she shaved her head and she was attacking the paparazzi with an umbrella. Like at one point she was courting the controversy. There was a time when wearing a short skirt and getting out of the car and letting the paparazzi get a flash of your vaggie was like a thing. Paris Hilton did it a lot. She was pretty known for it. Britney Spears did it. After she shaved her head and was like fighting the paparazzi and scenes were coming out of like she'd drive to, I don't know, pick up fast food, get a hamburger, a milkshake or something. And the paparazzi wasn't just taking pictures of her. They were taking pictures of the paparazzi, taking pictures of her. And it would be her, maybe a best friend or a kid in the car. And they'd be surrounded by like 20, 30 aggressive men with cameras. Photography cameras, video cameras shoved in their faces. They'd surround the car so like she couldn't even drive away. It was giving you Princess Di ickiness. We all remember Princess Diana and that tragic ending. And it was kind of like, yeah, this is is too much. Y'all are doing too much now. And what I also didn't realize at the time, because this is, we're talking 17 years ago. So I was in my early 20s. I'm about the same age as Britney Spears. But she had two kids. Within the same year, was about 25, 26 at the time, and it was before people started talking about postpartum depression, any of the massive changes that come into your life with motherhood. I mean, every mother could tell you that, but it wasn't something that factored into the conversation when you were speaking about new moms. So Brittany had a lot going on. I think she had her own issues that were exacerbated by the press. you got your postpartum depression stuff or whatever was going on with her. But it was clear she was going through things. And her breakup with Justin Timberlake and specifically about how he handled it in the press, which gave other people license to slander her, degrade her, make fun of her. I'm not going to totally blame him, but he participated in the opening of the door for that. So all of that is detailed from what I've read in this new documentary, and Justin Timberlake was catching much heat about it online, and he released a statement on Instagram, and he said, um, I'll read it to you in its entirety, it's not very long, he says, I've seen the messages, tags, comments, and concerns, and I want to respond. I am deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem where I spoke out of turn or did not speak up for what was right. I understand that I fell short in these moments and in many others and benefited from a system that condones misogyny and racism. I specifically want to apologize to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson, both individually, because I care for and respect these women and I know I failed. I also feel compelled to respond in part Because everyone involved deserves better. And more importantly, this is a larger conversation that I wholeheartedly want to be part of and grow from. The industry is flawed. It sets men, especially white men, up for success. It's designed this way. As a man in a privileged position, I have to be vocal about this. Because of my ignorance, I didn't recognize it for all that it was while it was happening in my own life. But I do not want to ever benefit from others being pulled down again. I have not been perfect in navigating all of this throughout my career. I know this apology is a first step and doesn't absolve the past. I want to take accountability for my own missteps in all of this, as well as be part of a world that uplifts and supports. I care deeply about the well-being of the people I love and have loved. I can do better, and I will do better. It's a good statement as far as statements go. Um, it's about 15 to 20 years too late. Jackson and Spears paid a very 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 heavy cost because of his actions and I was thinking about this and how it compares to like what I think about Will Smith For let's see how old was Justin Timberlake then he's 40 now Justin Timberlake was around 23 at the time and I gave a lot of grace to Will Smith mostly because of his age he was really very young And I don't think that he could have had a reasonable understanding of just what the cost would be of him complaining about Janet Hubert and then her being kicked off the show and how that would affect her career. That said, my knee-jerk reaction to Justin Timberlake was much harsher than Will Smith in Will Smith's case, he brought Janet Hubert onto the reunion and they had a conversation and they apologized for the ways in which they harmed each other for the things that they said, for the things that they did, intentional and unintentional. I want Justin Timberlake to do the same thing to Britney Spears and to Janet Jackson. Like I want him to actually apologize to them, not a press statement to get people off your back, like an actual genuine apology to the women. That's what I want from him. And then I can give him the grace that I gave Will Smith. You know, my favorite saying is always, and people hate when I say it because like, you want me to go off on people and I just can't. There is grace for those that seek it. If Justin Timberlake is truly seeking grace, then he can have it. But he's going to have to do more than just a press statement. He said that his words were a first step. So let's see the next step. Let's see what comes after that. Because... As of right now, he's still a motherfucker to me. I'm just saying. I really do have to watch this documentary though. There's a couple other things I want to talk about, but I have to save some stuff for next week because we have an interview. Today's treat is one of my favorite people in the world, Candace Bimbo. She is with me today to talk about, she makes me call her by her name, Tessica Brown, aka Gorilla Glue Girl. We're going to have a conversation about black beauty and black hair and why black women need more empathy and care. You know me, I can be kind of a hard ass on some things. Bottom line, political, political type A shit. It's really hard to shake and people outside of either Brooklyn or D.C. rarely get it. Like you're so full of yourself. No, I'm just focused on the fucking bottom line. Let's get to it. But sometimes it comes across as lacking empathy and sometimes it is just a lack of empathy. Um, But I wanted to talk to my friend Candice because she wrote a piece for Essence that was full of empathy and why I didn't necessarily agree with all aspects. I agreed with like 80%. Candice and I are rarely too far apart on our thoughts. I wanted to talk with her about that other 20%. But before that, I wanted to talk about The Bachelor and this is a big story. I only watch The Bachelor when there are black people on. I'm watching this season, which I watched. I said I was going to watch. And then I watched the first episode and I was like, what kind of black dude is this? He don't seem like he's going to pick a black chick. And I was like, you know, he can choose whoever he likes. But I really don't want to watch like, you know, two hours of a show every week for what, two, three months for a guy that's ultimately not interested, not all that interested in black women. Like he could do what he wants to do and that's fine. Love is love, all that, his mama white, whatever. But it's just not my cup of tea. But I watched the first episode and just got stuck. Somehow I've been sucked into the franchise this year. And every week on Tuesdays, Tuesday mornings, I do a recap of The Bachelor and it's such a shit show. It's like a nonstop shit show. Some of it is just straight up degrading. Like they had the women dressed like squirrels digging through leaves for a giant nut another time they had the women in a boxing ring fighting each other i mean they had pads or whatever they were like fucking each other up like it was like serious this is what they call a quote-unquote group date activity and i was like nothing about this is sexy what the fuck why are you subjecting these women to this probably because assholes like me are sitting at home watching and driving the ratings up behind the scenes of the bachelor is even more of a gigantic shit show than what happens on camera. So, as I said, The Bachelor this year is black and white, as he's quick to remind everyone. He has many women to choose from. They come with varying degrees of melanin and then also white women. And one of the white women that he's very much drawn to on the show is this woman named Rachel. She's had one of the best one-on-one dates. He took her on a Julia Roberts and pretty woman-esque shopping spree. I think she's the one that says, I'm falling in love with you. And he's like, I'm falling in love with you too. And then he totally makes out with her the same way he did with every woman except Katie, who may or may not be the new bachelorette. This Rachel girl is on TV and people from her past are like, hey girl, funny that you would be on TV pursuing the black guy I remember when you made fun of me for dating a black guy. Cause you know, you didn't like black people and that accusation was floating out there, but it was just one girl saying one thing. And so people sort of passed it off. as like, yo, that chick's a hater. She may or may not have done that. And she's also talking about something that happened in high school. Like who knows exactly what it is. Like maybe it's a one-off, but then other stories started to emerge with pictures So apparently, old girl, she's part of a sorority, Rachel Kirkconnell. I don't think I said her last name. Kirkconnell is her last name. And that's important because there's another Rachel that's going to come into the story as well. In 2018, she went to a quote-unquote Old South Plantation-themed party. There was another photo from June 2020, a few months before Bachelor filming began where she posted a photo of herself in what Refinery29, what they called, quote, culturally appropriative costumes, i.e. dressing up like a Native American with feathers in a headdress. Her family also donated to a fundraising platform that was dedicated to reelecting Donald Trump. How she ended up on a show with a black guy is baffling. So this information starts to trickle out and there's a lot of uproar about why this woman is on the show and what the Bachelor franchise is going to do about it. I saw Matt's comment and this is before shit got crazy. I just want to note this is from February 3rd. Matt had been very quiet about the controversy surrounding this woman on the show. He did an interview with Entertainment Tonight and he was very diplomatic He says, I have not spoken to anybody since the show ended, but I would say that you have to be really careful about what you are doing on social media. Rumors are dark and nasty and can ruin people's lives. So I would give people the benefit of the doubt and hopefully she will have her time to speak on that. He tried to just leave it there. Chris Harrison, who is the host of The Bachelor, Mr. Chris is what I call him when I talk about him in the reviews. He went on extra And he did a 13-minute interview with Rachel Lindsay, who was the first black bachelorette. I loved Rachel Lindsay and her sister. I think her sister's name was Candace. Her sister was like a million months pregnant and fly as shit. Her hair was laid. Rachel was fun. Rachel was a black girl's black girl. She came from a nice family. She had a good disposition. She was sweet when she needed to be sweet, but she could also be very... You know how us black girls, you know how we protect ourselves when we need to be. She could also do that too. And I was like, oh, she's a black girl, black girl. She's a lawyer. Rachel has been very outspoken about race and The Bachelor. I don't remember exactly what the controversy was when she was on the show. There were a couple things that came up about race, but I don't remember the details of them. Rachel is a correspondent for Extra, and she and Chris sat down for this interview and I don't know what the fuck Chris was thinking. In this 13-minute interview, it's like, it's like he just vomited every stupid thing he could think to say. I'm reading from Refinery. Chris defends Rachel being at the old South Plantation party. He says, I saw a picture of her at a sorority party five years ago. Refinery points out that the photos in question were not taken five years ago. They were captured less than three years ago. Refinery points out that Harrison's entire argument hinged on the idea that 2018 was an extremely long time ago and cultural conversations around obvious racism like pro-plantation bashes were looked at markedly different. Refinery points out that Megyn Kelly lost her job on the Today Show over blackface comments in 2018. They also point out that in 2016... Kappa Alpha, that was the sorority that hosted the Old South Party, their board of directors had banned all chapters from sponsoring functions with the title Old South or anything similar. So these conversations are not brand new, although Chris Harrison wants to repaint them as such. This is from U.S. Magazine. Wait, is it U.S. Magazine or Us Magazine? I've never had to say it out loud before. We're about to find out. Um, Chris also said, I haven't talked to Rachel about it. We all need to have a little grace, a little understanding, a little compassion. I have seen some stuff online. Again, this judge jury executioner thing where people are just tearing this girl's life apart until I actually hear this woman have a chance to speak. Who am I to say any of this? There was much outrage about his interview Many people saw it for the bullshit that it was. He was accused, rightfully so, of perpetuating racism. I saw that 25 women of color who were a part of The Bachelor's 25th season, they spoke out. I follow a couple women who were on the show. They posted a united front basically saying this is some bullshit. It's short. I'll read the whole thing. We are the women of Bachelor Season 25, 25 women who identify as Black, Indigenous, or people of color. were cast on this historic season that was meant to represent change. We are deeply disappointed and want to make it clear that we denounce any defense of racism. Any defense of racist behavior denies the lived and continued experiences of BIPOC individuals. These experiences are not to be exploited or tokenized. Rachel Lindsay continues to advocate with grace for individuals who identify as BIPOC within this franchise. Just because she is speaking the loudest doesn't mean she is alone. We stand with her, we hear her, and we advocate for change alongside her. Now, Matt, who didn't want to get too involved in the controversy before, he released a statement. He also said that he stands with Rachel Lindsay. He posted on his Instagram stories. So, Chris Harrison released a statement. And he tried to apologize. He posted on Instagram. People don't even really like issue press releases anymore. They just like put shit on Instagram. To my Bachelor Nation family. I will always own a mistake when I make one. So I'm here to extend a sincere apology. I have this incredible platform to speak about love. And yesterday I took a stance on topics about which I should have been better informed. While I do not speak for Rachel Kirkconnell, my intentions were simply to ask for grace and offering her an opportunity to speak on her own behalf. What I now realize I have done is caused harm by wrongly speaking in a manner that perpetuates racism and for that I am so deeply sorry. I also apologize to my friend Rachel Lindsay for not listening to her better on a topic she has firsthand understanding of and humbly thank the members of Bachelor Nation who have reached out to me to hold me accountable. I promise to do better. Mr. Chris is going to have to be doing better from somewhere else. He is currently stepping aside from The Bachelor in wake of all the controversy. He will be doing this for, quote, a period of time. In another Instagram statement, folks love an Instagram statement. He says, hello, everyone. I've spent the last few days listening to the pain my words have caused, and I am deeply remorseful. My ignorance did damage to my friends, colleagues, and strangers alike. I have no one to blame for myself. I have no one to blame but myself for what I said and the way I spoke. I set standards for myself, and I have not met them. By excusing historical racism, I defended it. I invoked the term woke police, which is unacceptable. I am ashamed over how uninformed I was. I was so wrong. And I am so grateful to those who have reached out to help me on my path to anti-racism. Why are white people still just getting on the path to anti-racism in February? Y'all learned racism existed last June. What is the holdup? Chris goes on. This is page two of his Instagram press statement. He says, This historic season of The Bachelor should not be marred or overshadowed by my mistakes or diminished by my actions. To that end, I have consulted with Warner Brothers and ABC and will be stepping aside for a period of time, and I will not join the After the Final Rose special. Chris is on punishment now. I am dedicated to getting educated on a more profound and productive level than ever before. I hope I will again live up to the expectations you all rightfully have for me and the expectations I have for myself. It's a good statement. It's just a fucking statement. Like you got on a damn interview with Rachel Lindsay, who is bachelor friendly. Like she's criticized the bachelor. She's talked about race, but she still gets a check from the bachelor, right? This was an alley oop. You could have cleaned this up easily. You fumbled it, motherfucker. I don't have as much grace for Chris in his, what, 40s, 50s as I do for Justin Timberlake and Will Smith doing dumb shit in their 20s. And both of them could have cleaned it up long before they were 40s, but it's not lost on me that it's shit they did in their 20s. There's some shit I probably need to clean up. The thing that you think I'm talking about is not what it is, though. People bring up her name 24-7 like it wasn't somebody I knew who died. You have no idea what the backstory to that is. And I probably am not going to tell you because arguing with someone who's deceased is pointless and stupid. So the host of The Bachelor is off The Bachelor. That's that's a lot. That is unexpected. That's a lot. I'm surprised, actually, that they sat him down. But the controversy with the racism on the show, it was completely out of control and they weren't doing anything about it. So I think this is their way of appearing to do something. The woman in question who has caused all of this controversy hadn't said much for a very long time. I think she spoke out after Chris's interview, but before he was sat down. In a statement that she also shared on Instagram, she said about the same thing that Chris said. She says that my ignorance was racist and I was wrong. At one point, I didn't recognize how offensive and racist my actions were, but that does not excuse them. My age or when it happened does not excuse anything. They were not okay or acceptable in any sense. Actually, I will read you her her whole statement. Or most of it, because it's actually pretty good. As far as apologies go, white people are getting much better at these apologies when they fuck up. She says, while there have been rumors circulating, there have also been truths that have come to light that I need to address. I hear you, and I'm here to say I was wrong. At one point, I didn't recognize how offensive and racist my actions were, but that doesn't excuse them. My age or when it happened does not excuse anything. They are not acceptable or okay in any sense. I was ignorant, but my ignorance was racist. I'm sorry to the communities and individuals that my actions harmed and offended. I am ashamed about my lack of education. All these apologies are starting to sound the same, but it's no one's responsibility to educate me. I am learning and will continue to learn about how to be anti-racist because it's important to speak up in the moment and not after you're called out. If you are a person who doesn't understand the offense in question, I urge you to learn from my mistakes and encourage you to use them as a teachable moment. Oh, this spin is a little different. As I was thinking about what I wanted to say, I couldn't help but think about how sick people must be of reading these kinds of statements, how a person didn't realize the trauma that their actions would inflict on other people. It must get so exhausting. I want to put my energy towards preventing people from making the same offensive mistakes that I have made in the first place, and I hope I can prove this to you moving forward. Racial progress and unity are impossible without white accountability, and I deserve to be held accountable for my actions. I will never grow unless I recognize what I have done is wrong. I don't think one apology means that I deserve your forgiveness, but rather I hope I can earn your forgiveness through my future actions. Yo, these publicists have been writing their asses off lately. And really, show me. That's all I got for you, sis. Show me. You did some dumb shit. Do better. When you do better, we can have a conversation about forgiveness. Words are cheap. Words are very, very, very cheap. I should know as a writer... You know how long you gotta write just to get a dollar per word it used to be the standard at one point it's not anymore which is why i don't write like i used to but when i do write actually it's more than a dollar a word even for online which is notoriously cheap so that's that let me say this too it was totally wrong for the bachelor to wait all this goddamn time like 20 some odd seasons before they had a black person on the show i think it might have been 20 or 21 for cousin rachel And then 25, definitely for Matt. I mean, I think the reason they didn't put black people on the show is, you know, through its own systemic racism issues. Anytime they've had black people on the show, they've had to deal with like this racism shit. It's like you throw a rock, you find a white racist. You can't avoid it. There's no way you can gather more than five white people in a room and not deal with some racist shit. Done some racist shit, said some racist shit, is a current racist. It's like impossible. The other thing that blows my mind with this is Y'all didn't do background checks? Y'all didn't dig into any of these people's social media history or anything? I feel like some of the stuff that's come out with this girl would've come through if y'all done like a thorough background check. I don't know. I do know that I'm sick of talking about The Bachelor and I really won't miss Mr. Chris. Every time he comes on camera at The Bachelor I know some fuckery's about to take place. Put on a squirrel outfit. Fight. More women are coming to the house. Mr. Chris has a bad habit of making good things suck. So hopefully he can get his damn life together. Stop being a racist. Stop defending racism. That'd be helpful. It's a mess. A whole mess. Lastly on this week's episode, last but certainly not least, as I mentioned earlier, Candace Benbow. She's one of my favorite humans and she's been on the show at least once before. I think twice. But for those of you who are new to the podcast or either just don't know about my Candace, you need to. Candace Marie Benbow. She situates her work at the intersections of beauty, baking, faith, feminism, and culture, giving voice to black women's shared experiences of healing and journeying toward wholeness. She's written for various outlets, including Essence, Glamour, The Root, Vice, Chandelain, Madame Noir, and the Me Too movement. She was named by Sojourners as one of, quote, 10 Christian women shaping the church in 2020. In 2015, Candace created Red Lip Theology to encourage women to embrace themselves as good creation. Through Red Lip Theology, she merges theological ideas with beauty industry participation to celebrate black women's creativity and spirituality. And this is not in her bio. She's working on a book right now. So please welcome Candace Marie Binbau to Ratchet and Respectable. Thank you so much for making time to be on Ratchet and Respectable today, my Candace. I do appreciate you. Thank you. I enjoy coming on here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I wanted to speak with you today because I read your article on Essence about Tessica Brown, and I call her by her name because you made a point that she should not be referred to as Gorilla Girl, that she is a real person with a real name and real friends yes. and feelings. And she called herself that in fairness, but she um, did, yeah you have a lot of empathy for her situation, and you talked and you spoke, you wrote you wrote in your essence article, um overwhelming empathy, overwhelming understanding, and you basically said, actually, I'll let you say what you said." I kept watching the conversation online, and I feel
2: like, you know, to back up a bit, I feel like um social media has really diminished our capacity to be empathetic um, because it's always, always about having a comment or, or commentary about someone's actions. And so when I saw Tessica trending and saw some of the comments, I'm like, yeah, how do we get to a point where we can't just say someone has made a an amazing mistake <laughs> that really has and could have potential lasting damage, and and instead of this kind of vitriol, this person really needs some compassion to navigate the implications of this mistake. And I didn't feel that when um, I scrolled on my timelines. I also felt like those of us who said, all right, she deserves grace. She deserves some level of of compassion and empathy were met with such resistance and hostility of like, well, you know, you got to be as dumb as she is. I mean, I had like some of the comments that I got were just absolutely ridiculous. And so when one of my editors reached out to me um, and asked, you know, would I be interested in kind of just putting together Some of these thoughts that really was what I wanted to leave folks with is how do we make room for the fact that people make mistakes? There's room for you to say that. And then there's also room for you to say, but like, this is serious. And she needs, she needs more, much more empathy than she needs vitriol.
1: Okay. So we're not that far apart. Because I I had to take that this is some stupid shit that she shouldn't have done. <laughs> A little more harsh than you. That's why when I reached out to you and I was like, because I'm going to talk about this thing. And I was like, because we don't totally agree. And I was like, I want to have you in the conversation. Because I was like, I'm 80% right. with you. But I think I have just slightly less sympathy than you do. Right. I think it was some really dumb shit. But I also recognize that it it went from being something that like you did this really stupid thing. And now you're having a medical emergency because of this stupid thing, because you've got Gorilla Glue in your hair and God knows what happens to your hair and your scalp as a result yeah. of this situation. So I'm like, I think it was stupid, but I also want you to get help and I want you to be okay.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think we're that far off. I think, I think that that it becomes this like, this big sister moment, right? Where like, Even my big sisters, my cousins, my, um, when I've done something stupid, like they've been like, okay, now that was dumb as hell. Um, don't do that shit again. But whenever it moved into this space where like this decision or this, this, whatever I did was really serious, then that tenor changed and it became like, okay, what do we need to do to make sure that you're good? And as we make sure you're good, then we can revisit why this was done. (laughs) And I just felt like, oh no, like I also think, you know, Demetria, a lot of it has to do with the ways that we see sisters and the ways that like we we really do lack grace for sisters. Like the even just the whole idea that she was going to sue. Um, and I'll be the first to say I was actually in favor of her suing because I felt like, you know, even though it was dumb, white people have frivolous lawsuits and they win all the time, <laughs> but but or settled for all the time. But like I think it was TMZ who who basically ran with this rumor that she had planned to sue Gorilla Glue. And then everybody harped on it and was just like, you know, how could she do this? This is so stupid. This was a come up. This is blah, blah, blah. And then when she interviewed, when there was an interview, she was like, I never said that I was suing, was suing Gorilla Glue. She was like, why would I sue them when I was the one who made the mistake? And so it was this initial reaction again that she couldn't be trusted, that this was a come up, that this was that this was all about money and a scam for her. And it just, for me, went back to this reality that there is so little grace for Black girls and Black women. And I felt like that played out in this scenario.
1: So my next question is going to sound really bad, exactly. I mean, right after you've spoken about so much grace, but I got to ask it. So you don't think this was a stunt?
2: I don't. I don't think it was a stunt. I think that um she thought i this is what I genuinely think happened. She ran out of got to be glued glue, and I really think she did not think that that gorilla glue was gonna do what it did i don't think I don't think it was a stunt because one that was too risky, like she was risking her hair, she was risking her health. I don't think it was a scent. I genuinely think that she did not think that it was going, that Gorilla Glue was going to do what it did to her hair. I think she thought it was going to hold for a little bit. She was going to be able to wash it out and call it a day. And then, you know, have a little laugh a year or two now, uh, from now with her friends and her sister but I do not think that she really tried to do this for a come up. Cuz there's too many it's too many unknowns and variables, right? That like the, the way that this turned for her, it really could have gone the other way. And so that was a lot to risk on the possibility that folks going to care about her, which More people didn't care than did.
1: You touched on in your Essence essay about Black women and beauty. And I think it was just a line or two, but it was like, actually, it was more than that because you talked about your hair journey. But you talked about many things that Black women have done that maybe didn't make good sense in the sake of beauty. Um, And you talked about, I think you talked about perms. And you might not have talked about leaving them on too long, but it was the first thing that I thought of. And us having scabs in our head. I haven't had a perm in forever in a day, but, you know, I did for a long time. And then I was seeing, you know, things online about, you know, if you've ever used um, track glue instead of your eyelash glue, then you really have no room to talk here. And I was, Nobody like, well,
2: had at I
1: was like, well, you know, I've tried that in a clutch. I ran out of, um, of eyelash glue and the idea of going to the event without my lashes on was unfathomable. I thought it was a scam I did and then I was like all right I know what she was feeling in that moment and I think I would have stayed home instead of reaching for the gorilla glue but she not me
2: there's no way that I would have used um gorilla glue um there were were other people who felt like maybe um she thought that it was um gorilla snot but I think when you look back at what she said um, she really genuinely knew that it was Gorilla Glue, but I, d- I just really don't think that she thought it was going to do what it did. And so, I mean, I think, like, Black women, we have all, we have these long and storied relationships with our hair because we have these long and storied relationships with what it means to be considered beautiful um and who who considers us beautiful and desirable. Um and too often, you know, we have done what we needed to do or what we believed we needed to do in order to be considered beautiful, in order to be considered um, you know, like I, I was talking about like, yeah, like I had the scabs. I had to sit for a year <laughs> holding my edges with, you know, Jamaican castor oil and prayer, (laughs) because I spent too many years in micro braids and box braids that were entirely too tight. I spent too much time, like, making sure that my edges laid and went straight. And so now, you know, I, I I mean, it took a while for, for that stuff to grow back. It took, it, it took a long time for me also to see myself and my relationship with my hair in a much more healthier and different way. And so like when I hear that a sister would do something as drastic as put gorilla glue on her hair, I'm asking a lot of different questions, right? And a lot of them really go to what it means to to value yourself, what it means to care about your own health, um, and all of us ain't fair, right? Because there's some things that I mean, you know this too. There's some things when you mature and when you get when you come to a better understanding of yourself, you're just not gonna put in your body, <laughs> like it's, it's just, and you're not just gonna do to yourself. And so that in and of itself automatically raises questions of like, all right, sis, like what what are we thinking as it relates to? um to your own kind of care and capacity to, to value you. And I think that a lot of us, and i say it in the piece, like, no, we, a lot of us, we didn't use an industrial product to style our hair, but we've done things to our hair and we've done things to ourselves that we wish we hadn't. And sometimes, like you said, in a clutch, it worked. And we were like, all right, I ain't never doing that again, even though I needed it in this moment. And then there are some times where it didn't work. And we sitting there we like, what in the hell did I just do? And I think she was in one of those moments. And I just really hope that, one, I hope she never does it again. And I think she won't. <laughs> but um, two, like, I really hope that we can find and figure out ways that we can just Even if it does not, if even if it wasn't the same decision that we made or the same circumstances, what would it mean for us to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and be like, yeah, I did. I did something like that before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Once I saw the the thing about the track glue and I was like, y'all ain't got to tell my story so loud. Y'all ain't got to be loud (laughs) about my story. And I was like, I needed that at the time. And somebody else was like, you know, they were like, you knew it was a bad idea because track glue smells like shit. It smells like chemicals. And you still put that shit right near your eye. And I was like, I did Mm -hmm. do that. I did do that. So perhaps, let me tone down my rhetoric just a bit.
2: (laughs) The fact that it was Gorilla Glue, there is this point where you just like, sis, what were you thinking? Like, I mean, I I think that's everybody. I also recognize the ways that social media make us skeptical of each other, the internet makes us skeptical of each other. Um, I've I have been privy to it as as somebody who um, does a lot of work crowdsourcing, or did a lot of work because I had to stop, but did a lot of work crowdsourcing for sisters who would who would ask me for help um, because, especially last year, because I mean we all were struggling. Like there's just this. Immediate kind of um, reticence to trust and reticence to believe um, because we have been burned, right? We, we we there have been stories of people who manufactured circumstances for pity because they knew that they were going to get money um, or they knew they were going to get something, right? And so, like, I never want to, I never want to negate that those feelings of distrust are real. And at the same time, what does it look like for us to kind of pivot and say, all right, well, we ain't got to think that way all the time. What does it look like for us to, to think differently?
1: What do you think about her financial come up from this? Like I read that she had like a GoFundMe that was over $20,000. I also yeah. read that she was donating $20,000 to, uh, I guess it was a nonprofit organization that's, um, that's for reconstructive surgery that is organized by the surgeon um Dr. Michael O'Bang, because he came through in a clutch. I want to mention his name. Um, but he runs that nonprofit. So she's donating twenty K to that. But her manager, in the same article I was reading this on, I think it was on the Grio, but her manager was like, oh, she's good because she's rolling in money from like the merchandising.
2: I'm cool with us finding ways um to to make our <laughs> to make our misses um Help us in some kind of way. Like I was trying to find a cute. I'm Baptist. So I was trying to find a little alliteration, but it wasn't working right there. But, um, like I, like, I think I think there were enough people that were gonna make, um, enough dimes and off of her dollars off of her that she deserved some of it herself. Like, I honestly would love to see some hair company use her. For, uh, like, not got to be glue, but, like, some kind of edge control. Like, I really think that that would be, a like, that commercial. I saw it in my head. I was telling my friends about it. Like, I saw this funny, dope commercial of her selling, you know, an old back to what happened. But her, her selling and advertising that, that product. Like, I think that, you know, shh. I wasn't one of those that a lot of people were like, I can't believe she got a manager. This is her trying to come up, blah, blah, blah. I saw and I understood the need of it because one, you get inundated with, she became an overnight celebrity and and internet famous, right? And like, you get inundated with requests. Like I was giving her telephone number simply because I just wanted to reach out and see if there was anything that I could do. Now I know that me, I am not the only one who was reaching out to her, so she had like hundred. Like I think at one point she posted and was like, "I'm trying to respond to all the phone calls and texts. It's just a lot right now. So having somebody to help her navigate that. But I also think that there is room for her to be able to take this opportunity and benefit from it in a way." That does not, that can't, it won't completely offset the vitriol and kind of the humiliation. But if she can make a coin off of it, I'm all for sisters making money.
1: Like I saw people complaining, like, how did she get a blue check? Because there are people who, you know, genuinely are doing the work and are are really out there, and they can't get a blue check, but she gets one like overnight. And then I heard she was making money, and I was like, it's kind of sketchy, kinda, but it's also legal, and it's kind of the American way. And everybody else participates in it. So why should not this Black girl do it? I mean... Like, I had a friend who was super upset because um, they wanted...
2: They've been trying for a while to get a blue check and can't get one. And I said, I get you. I said, and also at the same time, um, she is crowdsourcing. So on some level, you gotta make sure... That you're giving to the right person, like it's not. And I get it. Like I completely get it. I think that the the social media verification. like I still ain't verified on Twitter, but like the social media verification projects are like so arbitrary. And at the same time, when somebody is raising money and has rate and is raising it in the ways that she was, and, and it makes sense. That people are like, "Okay, this is the legitimate person um but she also like I was really I was really proud um that she was making that donation because for me, I think that what that also signaled was that it wasn't about the money like I don't know what the what the the relationship or, or what the 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 negotiation was. Or if she had to, in order for her to, you know what I'm saying, be able to get the, for him to do the work to get the glue out of her head. But it was just really, again, I felt like she, in, at every turn, I hope people saw that this wasn't somebody who was really trying to do this to be um, shady. Like, she told y'all that she wasn't, you know, trying to sue him. She told y'all that she wasn't, you know, and here she is not trying to sue the Gorilla Good company. And then the bulk of what she made in her um, GoFundMe goes to charity. Like, I, I, I thought I, that like, was classy. Yeah, I feel like like when people say, you know, she did it for Cloud, she like, I, I don't know people doing stuff for Cloud that's giving money away. I hope that I hope that she has management or people who and I've learned this from you actually about the importance of the long game because she's hot right now. And this moment is, I mean, it was they were talking about it on Good Morning America. Like she was on every news, news circuit, every news article, I mean news outlet picked up her story. So there, there will also be a time where she's not going to be, I mean, we're out of it this week, right? So like, what what does it mean for her to have people in her corner that can help her to develop whatever goals that she has for beyond this moment that she can utilize this moment to get to?
1: There. I think about this story and I think about the... um. The Cranberry guy. Remember the Cranberry guy on the, the skateboard? Yes. Right? And he like, you know, it, it was just, you know, a TikTok moment or whatever. And I remember um, Ocean Spray bought him a car. He's got Cranberry Juice for life. For life. And I think there was a check involved somewhere in there because they were making, they, he made Ocean Spray a ton of money. And
2: I love Ocean Spray. But when I, I went specifically again to get some after that commercial, I mean, after I saw that TikTok and it was nowhere to be found. And I think they said that that song, whatever song he was um, riding a skateboard to, it re-entered the top 10.
1: And then Fleetwood Mac did a video on a skateboard, in homage to the skateboard guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you yeah, put me like, back in the top 10, my royalties are popping again. The song's been out for how long? You put exactly. me back in the top 10, the least I could do is an homage to you. The least. The very least. And call me like... I don't know. You can call
2: me cornball. You can call me um, sappy or whatever. But I just like these moments where um, life literally changes for people. Like I'm thinking about a Morpheus, the the um, young kid who was on the internet just doing song mixes, and everybody started listening to his song mixes. And then, you know, he talked about how his, like, Apple computer, his laptop was about to die. And Oprah sends him the top-of-the-line um, iMac Pro, um, MacBook Pro, and some Dre beats. And then the next thing you know, he's produced a song with Fat Joe and DJ Khaled. But he was this kid that, like, <laughs> was... was had a, had a viral moment that literally changed his life. I love stuff like that. I'm taking a social media hiatus for a minute. So I wasn't on on social media when um, she announced that, or when it was announced that Tessica was having um, the procedure to remove her um, glue. And then the next day all of my friends started sending me the clips from the shave room or from other places that showed that it was out of her hair. And I was so, like, I was beaming like I knew her. <laughs> like, like I, I was beaming like I knew her because I was so happy for her, one, because the ordeal was over, and two, because she had somebody who cared enough, you know, and then to find out that he was a black man, he's a black man, I was so happy about that, and I was like, "I hope that whatever initiatives, opportunities you know that he takes a part of, I hope they get amplified also as a result. Like I think that, and this is almost a come full circle, that the the vitriol of the internet was what really prompted me to write the piece. And at the same time, <laughs> that there is a lot of life and goodness and good people on these socials. And, you know, I think that in earnest, Tessica really reached out, like all, like many of us can sometimes do online to be like, hey, I need some help. Like, I, I think that that's really where she was, was, like, all right, this ain't moved in a month don't do this if you're thinking about doing this, but like, I really need, I really need some help. Does anybody have any suggestions for me? And I think that like, because we have had experiences, positive experiences, even in the midst of the negative ones, we've had positive experiences online. That's what I pushed her to even be vulnerable and transparent enough to be like, y'all, I did this. Don't ask me why I did it, but I did it. Can y'all help me? And then to now see that, you know, a, a, a physician, cosmetic surgeon comes, creates a formula <laughs> that basically undoes something that, you know, folks were like can't be undone. Um, leaves her with her hair. Like that was the part that was just absolutely and utterly amazing to me, but then to also see how she pays it forward to say like, all right, y'all have given me, y'all have donated to me to help me to navigate however I needed to navigate, but this has happened. so let me donate it to people who are in need. I think it just goes to show that even in a place that can be dark, like there's still, beauty and goodness in it and I just hope that more times than
1: not we find ways to lean into that I mean I'm still a little skeptical on whether it was a stunt gone <laughs> wrong or whatever like I'm gonna keep it 100 with that but it did turn out to be a, f- feel a good you. story in the end and I appreciated very much that it was like a black doctor who came to the rescue I yes. saw that it was like, you know, okay, a black woman is having this issue. I know a lot about black women and black people. This is going to sound a little corny and maybe a little earnest too. Um, But I appreciate that, you know, we always talk about protect black women. Um, And this black man yeah. showed up to like, you know, I don't think we necessarily meant hair follicles, but we meant in always. Um, But he showed up Why? to protect her hair. But he very much knows like what the hair issue is. For black women and he stepped in and like and helped her he thought she was worthy of help to get this stuff yeah. out this black woman's hair so she can as she said you know get another ponytail which i was like sis leave your hair alone but you know <laughs> not my hair it's not my life let it breathe boo, let it breathe for a wow.
2: because your hair is mad at you right now. exactly like <laughs> and, and i think mean, like you got she needs somebody that can feel her you you have to make amends to your hair because your hair is feeling a certain way towards you right now. And you got to you gotta do right by it. And doing right by your hair
1: means not putting nothing in it for the time, for the time being. being. Black hair has feelings. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do the exact same thing, the exact same way I did last week. But your hair don't want to cooperate. It has feelings. It's not feeling it today.
2: I have had to apologize to my hair. Like, there have been times where I feel like I'm working. I'm so sorry. And I promise I'll never do this to you again. I've had to apologize to my hair.
1: Cause I have done stuff to my hair. I knew I had absolutely no business doing. I mean, I would tell you some things that I've done, but I've got like a Pantene contract and I, you know <laughs> <laughs>
2: have to speak lovingly, glowingly listen, about my hair. Listen, we have been there. We have all we all got stories. And like I I was like, whew, I didn't even know if somebody had like chronicled. I said I was gonna look for that to see if, if somebody had done like a book or even just like um a coffee table collection of black girl and black women's hair stories because
1: we we all got some. We all got some. You could write encyclopedia volumes about black women and their yeah. hair stories. I mean add that to the you know the Candace Bimbo collection. It goes under the um it goes under the umbrella. <laughs> not, not that you yeah, don't have I'm, enough on your plate, I'm, but you know something to think about. Hey, right,
2: I'm like, let me let me see what number on my
1: plate that goes to. But yeah, like I just,
2: I was like, man, like when I was sitting there writing the piece, I was like, I could spend all day just talking
1: about our relationship with our hair, mm-hmm. all day. For many manifestations and the crazy <laughs> ish we've done mm. to get it to comply or meet a beauty standard, or we just over it. Yeah. That's it. Or we just over it? <laughs> it bees that way sometimes. Just over it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, my love. You're
2: welcome. Thank you.
1: I feel like this conversation was fruitful and good and was much better than what I would have said. I appreciate you very much for wrapping it in a bow for us, as you Thank always you. do so Thank well. You. Do you see why I love my Candace? It all makes sense now, doesn't it? Thank you for sticking with me on this episode. This is a long one. But we had a lot to cover, and I left some things out because it was just too damn much. Too damn much. We will speak again on Friday. We will have a robust episode where we will also be discussing Ochosinko breeding his children for athletic prowess. He says he picked the five or six mothers of his children for their athletic prowess so they could produce prime athletes. And I also want to talk about the backlash to Russell Wilson, husband of Sierra, saying that his biggest fear is losing his wife, the mother of his children, and how people called him a simp for that. Much to talk about. Much to talk about. So I will speak with you again on Friday. If you need some Ratchet and Respectable in your life between now and the next episode, you can follow me on social media at Demetria L. Lucas on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also pick up merch for Ratchet and Respectable and Don't Waste Your Pretty on my website, DemetriaLLucas.com. Okay, I think finally that's everything. Talk soon. Bye.
0: when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy
2: without the
1: upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget.